You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. 24, not the television show, but the number of hours it took two of my best friends, both two-pack-a-day smokers, to stop smoking cold turkey. Impossible? Unbelievable. It's a habit-forming drug. If I didn't see it, I wouldn't believe it either. Well, how'd they do it? Stay tuned. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Lawrence Rosen. Dr. Rosen is a nationally recognized expert in pediatric integrative medicine. He is the chair of the Integrative Pediatrics Council and a founding member of the American Academy of Pediatrics section on complementary holistic and integrative medicine. He is a consultant at the Children's Hospital at Hackensack University Medical Center in New Jersey. Today, we are discussing the modalities of complementary and mind-body medicine with a special focus on hypnosis. And hypnosis is the way my friends kicked the cigarette habit. Larry, what is mind-body medicine? The definition of mind-body medicine really gets back to this idea that the mind and the body are linked inexorably in terms of, of health and wellness, especially in children. So there are many different treatment modalities, just to start with definitions that we use, to help children use the power of their imagination and their mind to heal. We have a long, rich history in children of evidence looking at chronic pain and symptom management, and I can uh, get into that more specifically, using modalities such as clinical hypnosis, guided imagery, biofeedback, and even popular modalities like yoga and mindfulness-based stress reduction that we're seeing today. These are all treatments that the practicing pediatrician and physician can use in their daily practice to help children and families cope with stress, pain, and actually to, um, you mentioned habits, to um, deal with certain habit disorders as well. Which specific modalities do you use most commonly when treating a patient with mind-body medicine? My training is specifically in an area called guided imagery and in biofeedback. Guided imagery, which is, as it sounds, is a technique of using imagination coupled with breathing techniques guided by a facilitator, which is, is me working with the patient, to enable them to use the power of imagery and imagination that can be things that they imagine visually. It can be smell, sight, sounds, to guide them through breathing techniques and relaxation to distract away from pain or anxiety and to help them develop control. It's a very important concept in mind-body medicine that the patient has the locus and the point of control over their, their symptom. That's great. Take control of illness. It seems like so many of us are becoming dependent on our doctors. I took a course in complementary medicine uh, sponsored by the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C., and Dr. Jim Gordon, who is the head of it, said in studying cancer survivors, those with the fighting spirit had the greatest survival duration. How do you help a patient take charge and develop that fighting spirit for their chronic illnesses? I think the point that Jim makes is so important, which is, you know, although I think we do have to be careful not to blame those who, who suffer and say that it's, it's not because they're not fighting, but I think especially with children and children with chronic illness, most of them, if you ask them, feel 
the worst about their disease and disorder because they feel out of control in a medical system where a lot of things are done to them and, and they're not being able to take an active role on their own treatment. Many of the therapies are very passive. So one of the first things I teach kids when I'm working with them is this is an opportunity for you to learn a way that you have with you wherever you go that nobody has to do to you. You can do it for yourself. There's a lot of literature that looks at the effect of stress on the immune system. You bring up cancer. We can talk about allergic disorders or other immune systems. Lots of kids, we see parents come because the kids are getting sick all the time um, or the body seems worn down. There's a big link between, it's a field of psychoneuroimmunology, so the effect that the mind has, again, on the body, but specifically the immune system, plays a very powerful role. So you mean there's a science behind this? It's not just all in my head? No, absolutely not. And, and interestingly, um, work by Candace Pert and others in terms of the biochemistry of the immune system um, has shown that when you work with children and adults with hypnosis or with guided imagery or biofeedback, you can actually change the levels of different chemical mediators, such as cytokines and leukotrienes and immunoglobulins in the body. Sometimes at lectures, what I'll do is say, you know, when I'm trying to give an example is just have people imagine, just close their eyes and imagine a bright yellow slice of lemon. And all of a sudden, and then, you know, you just ask the question, almost everybody's mouth starts salivating. A bugaboo with me is this evidence-based medicine. Not that it's all bad, but it sort of ignores intuition. And what amazes me is how two sides can look at the same evidence and reach very different conclusions. Doesn't it gall you, Larry, that Stephen Covey, the author of the best-selling book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, is paid $600 an hour to teach major corporations that sound motivation and organizational theory embrace the four dimensions of mind-body medicine. He talks about the physical, the mental, the social-emotional, and the spiritual. Why does the business community get it and the doctors don't? Well, I think, you know, you, you raise a really good point, and that's that uh, it really depends on the paradigm uh, that you come from. I think medicine has become, unfortunately, too, it's, it's lost a lot of its humanism aspect. And I think in the business world, people have gotten that because they, they realize it really helps them perform better, and it comes down to the bottom line. Whereas in medicine, we've gotten very reductionistic. You bring up the idea of evidence-based medicine, which has become sort of the holy grail and my point has always been, you know, yes, evidence and randomized controlled trials are one form of evidence, but our observation and intuition, as you raise, is another form of evidence. And I use the term evidence-guided medicine. We should use it as a guide. I agree with that. But there, there is, you know, if we look at um, what is considered conventional medicine, especially for children, the, the percent estimated therapies that we use in conventional medicine that are strictly evidence-based is probably 15% of just the regular things we do. So much of what we do is conventional, is historical, um, is cultural, and I think we just have to be honest about that. For those who are joining us, you are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and my guest is Dr. Lawrence Rosen, and we are discussing the modalities of integrative medicine. I'd like to talk about some real-life situations. Can you think of or relate to us a specific patient that you've helped using the guided imagery or hypnosis or one of the other techniques you use commonly? Yeah, absolutely, and I can, I can give you a couple of 
real-life, you know, practical examples um, from my primary care practice. Something that comes up almost every day in physician practices is performing procedures, whether it's drawing blood, giving shots, doing strep tests. Something that's really practical for pediatricians is to have a, a routine, a way to help kids and to help adolescents deal with the anxiety and the pain of these of these procedures. So I had a 17-year-old boy who had been coming to my practice for 10 years um, who was due to get a vaccination for entering college. And he was he admitted it at the physical exam. He was deathly afraid. He started sweating. This is a six foot two, 200-pound, 17-year-old, plays football. They're sweating, backing up against the wall when we started talking about his vaccination. And he wanted to get it, um, but wanted to find a way that he could do it without us having to hold him down, which really wasn't going to happen. And and honestly, that's not what I wanted to do. So we worked on four sessions uh, using clinical hypnosis. And I had him sit in the office with me, and we met simply for 10 minutes, once a week, over four weeks. And gradually over time, I taught him how to use breathing techniques and use his imagination and mind to relax. And then through the second and third sessions, had the nurse come in, simply sit in the office with him, the nurse who was going to administer the vaccine. By the third visit, she would hold the vaccine. He would examine it, but he was clear that he was not going to get a shot. And by the fourth visit, we had agreed, and we were very open with him and and went through the whole thing. He was able to receive the vaccine while doing the hypnosis technique in my office. It took about three seconds, and afterwards, he opened his eyes. He, He had tears in his eyes, but not from pain. And he said, I can't believe that was the whole thing. And it simply, it was 40 minutes, if you think about it, over a one-month period, 10 minutes a week. And it made, hopefully, a lifelong difference for this boy. Now, I've never been hypnotized. What would it feel like to me? What would I experience? I think, you know, when we talk about hypnosis, you know, one of the things we think are, you know, parlor tricks or magicians. The history of hypnosis goes back to the Austrian physician Mesmer, Franz Mesmer, who in the late 1700s developed and pioneered this use of total focus. The interesting thing is hypnosis is not about turning people into chickens or making them quack. Um, a lot of kids get a, get a laugh out of that. That's what they think is going to happen. And it's not about loss of control. Again, it comes back to control. What I teach kids, it's about having ultimate control. So the point is, I mean, physically what's happening is you're sitting there, and I tell kids you don't have to close your eyes if you don't want to. Whatever helps you feel in control, you're going to be the one in charge. And you talk them through so that it's it's as if there's a triangle and a narrow point where they're focusing on a single point in space or time, and everything else to the side kind of disappears. So it's really this ultimate control and focus that they develop over their breathing and their thinking. I'd be worried that somebody could make me reveal things that you know I might not want to speak about in public. Can that happen during hypnosis? That's not my experience. And there are different levels of hypnosis. Psychologists that use hypnosis sometimes do it in, in a very deep state to really work through trauma. That's not what I'm using in my practice. That's not how I'm trained. What I'm talking about in in pediatric clinical hypnosis and in guided imagery is really not that deep a state. A child or an adult would not reveal anything that they weren't aware of. They're really in a completely alert but focused state. Have you ever used hypnosis or guided imagery on your own family? I have. Actually, it's a funny story. And and, And really, honestly, some of my early experiences in learning how to do it were in having it done myself and going through, you know, really a preceptorship mentorship model where I really worked with someone to to experience it. Um, but I worked with my son, who now is nine years old. But when he was about four years old, 
he was getting ready for bed and having some trouble falling asleep. So I was there. I was. I was really excited. I was going to have a chance with my own son to use some some great guided imagery techniques to help him relax. And I was thinking of all these great scripts about you know walking on the beach or, or walking through a forest. And so I said to my son, I said, um, you know, let's let's stop and think. And I like to give the children as much control over the imagery. It's really their images. So I said to him, you know, we set the stage and we did the breathing stuff. And I said, what you know, think of a place that you would find really you know, relaxing. The image I have of guided imagery, I think of Star Trek and beam me up Scotty. And there I am floating up to meet Captain Kirk. Well, I'd like to thank Dr. Lawrence Rosen, who has been my guest. And we have been discussing the modalities of mind-body medicine. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. I wish you a good day and good health.